What's going on, guys? Welcome to River City 93. This is Shanir Duran, the second, and I am here with Elliot Barr, but he is not going to be doing too much talking. No, I'm just looking to you, holding the big mic, that's all. He's the sound guy today. Mm -hmm. Today, we will be doing an interview with Brian Kamler. Brian Kamler is a former Richmond Kickers player who was on that famous 95 U.S. Open Cup winning team. Uh, he is currently the head coach for Green Bay Voyagers, a USL League Two team, and we are going to be talking about his experience with the kickers, his experience throughout his career and coaching, a little bit about traffic, and a little bit about ice cream. So without further ado... Joining me here on the phone with us is former Richmond Kickers player, Brian Kamler. Brian Kamler, how are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you guys doing? I uh, appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Um, so, just to give a little backstory here, you, um, Brian Kamler, actually to show you guys how small of a world this is, me growing up in Boston... Um, I actually had the chance for a very brief time to be coached by Brian Kamler. And um, the moment I found out that... you've never been the same since. Huh? And you've never been the same since, have you? Oh, no. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why I coach today. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Finding out that you were on the Richmond Kickers, I blew a gasket. So we said, this this has to happen. So here we are. Um, we have a few listener questions uh, for you today. We're going to kind of go over a bit okay. your, your history with the Richmond Kickers and also your soccer journey, your professional journey, as well as your coaching journey. Um, the first question I had for you was... Uh, Based off of our previous interview with Rob Ucrop, uh, he said that you were one of the best players he had ever played with. Um, what do you feel made you a unique player, such a unique player? Well, I, I feel the same about Rob. You know, Rob, Rob and I go way back. Um, we actually got called into what was called the National B Team, um, coached by John Ellinger, who's up in, in Baltimore, Maryland, and I had the pleasure of playing for him out at Real Salt Lake as well. But Rob and I got called in, and we kind of hit it off as far as just our personalities and, and everything, and it seemed like when we were on the field, we, we kind of knew where each other was going to be. Um, that, that team back then had so many good players, but uh, Rob was my roommate, and I probably drove him a, a little bit nuts, but I, I think... Um, I guess for me, as far as unique, I think it followed me through my whole career. I was able to gel with just about any team that I played with. All right. Um, and and I think with Richmond, that was that was uh, 
one of the things that kind of stood out. All right. Well, I, I remember Rob telling us that you were known on the team as Disney Cam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've, I've got I've got an affinity for all things Disney. Well, you know, from all the way back when the company began, all the way up to the theme parks and movies and you know all the new acquisitions with Marvel and all that good stuff. Nice. So you're you're so you're a yeah. Disney buff. <laughs> Yes, yes, right. yes, yes, and, and I would drive him him nuts because uh, I, I would do Mickey every once I'd go, oh boy, am I glad Rob Zucrop's my teammate. <laughs> you know, he'd go, he'd, 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 he'd just look at me like I was nuts, so um, he and I both went back and forth with that kind of stuff. <laughs> wow. <laughs> No, you didn't know that, did you? No. I, I was a, a Disney guy. No, I did not know that. What one thing I did remember um, when you were coaching me was when we were doing tournament style scrimmaging. You referenced the Bundesliga a lot. The Bundesliga yeah. A, Bundesliga B, and 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 all of that <laughs> in terms of where you were ranking if you were winning or losing. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I kind of grew up, like, I, they had a show back when I was a kid. It's kind of how I got started on soccer to begin with. It was called Soccer Made in Germany. It was on PBS. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd come home from church, and I'd pop on PBS because Soccer Made in Germany was on. And um, I started following the Bundesliga probably more than anything mm. um, just because, because of that show. It's kind of crazy. Nice. All right, so the next question I have for you is with regards to the actual uh, U.S. Open Cup run. Uh, first, I wanted to ask you, how how was it for you, that, that run, just that season? How was that journey, and how did that journey uh, affect the rest of your career? How did it prepare you for the rest of your career, or did that that accolade actually help your career in terms of notoriety and things like that? Well, I, I think it helped. I don't know if it, um, it, I mean, it definitely helps you to be noticed without a doubt. I think all the guys on that team at the end of things got a look at by whether it be MLS or um, other professional teams, just because of what we accomplished that year. We were a team that, wasn't supposed to make it as far as we did in the mm-hmm. Open Cup. And uh, I, I, I attribute a lot of that to Dennis Violet because he, he kind of said, he, he wasn't like a loud coach, but mm-hmm. you, you knew he was there. Um, and it was kind of a professional environment. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, we trained out where the Richmond kickers uh, are. Yeah, I believe we trained at the fields that the, the kickers played at. And then, um, you know, the stadium was awesome to play. It was probably one of the best pitches that we played on all year. So, mm-hmm. um, but as, as far as like jump starting things, I think everybody on that team got a look because of that run. I, it was nice that we won the championship, but to uh, be the kings of U.S. soccer, at least for that year, was, was pretty cool. Wow. That is awesome. Um, so that, I'm, that kind of leads into the next question. You did uh, touch on it a little bit with regards to Dennis Violet. 
Um, how was it? How was it working under him? Uh, how did he operate in terms of uh, daily training, um, in-game situations? How was it working under him? Uh, Dennis was all business. It seems like out on the field, he he had a funny side to him as well, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like the train, I don't remember too much about the trainings except that. At the end of each training, every day, um, we had the same teams throughout the whole summer from, gosh, what, I got out there in, like, March, April. Mm-hmm. And we would have the same teams going against each other, and we would play these small goals. They were almost like miniature hockey goals mm-hmm. out on the field, and it was a smaller field, and it was every day. It was, it was really competitive. It was nice, tight, a lot of ticky tack soccer. And um, there was a lot of trash talking going on. <laughs> um, but he, he kind of stayed out of it in, until, you know, something needed to be laid down. Um, okay. And, it, it, I mean, how can you not listen to a guy that, that played, uh, I guess, back in the old premiership, you know, with Man U and yeah. with his experience? It was, it was um, you know, you, you don't realize who you're playing for until you – sit down and you start looking the guy up and you're like, holy cow. Like I had no clue going out there who he was to begin with, but um, he was he was a great coach and to to see that he was actually coaching the university down in Jacksonville at the time. Um, and he came up and and coached us. It, it was uh it was almost like that season was like it was like the perfect fit, like for everybody. Like it seemed like he got the players that what he wanted to do and then you know the players are you know us being the, the players we we gelled almost instantaneously like mm-hmm. you know I, I remember we got in we trained once and then I, I believe we went and played gosh I forgot what university it was um, but everything kind of everybody like it, it helped that there were a lot of university guys there um and then there were other, you know, Rob, myself. Um, I remember Greg Kyle. You know, uh, there were a couple guys, um, uh, Scott Schneider and Michael Brady, that were up from American. Um, you had two guys from Indiana with Mike Clark and Todd Yagley. Um, but everybody just kind of, it just kind of fell together, and you wouldn't have known that we were from different universities. Yeah. Wow, that's that's he, awesome. He was able to he was able to get everybody to gel together. I don't think there were really any egos on the team. I don't think anybody cares who scored the goals as long as we won. That's awesome. That that's that's very rare, and that, that's a, a gem to have, you know, in terms yeah. of a team. Um, the next question I, I wanted to ask you was, um, with regards to that 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 year that season that run on in the US Open Cup, what was the most memorable moment? What what moment stood out to you? It could be in a game or it could be a social moment or a moment in practice, but what, what was the moment that stood out to you the most that was most memorable? I've got two actually. Um the the first one is how much I died in the game. I only played half the game uh down in El Paso because of the heat. <laughs> yeah. And whether I wasn't hydrated or, or what have you, or fit, whatever, I just remember dying. Um, I played that first half, and then I got into the locker room, and I, I felt like I was, like, 
I was done. Um, that was the first one. The mm-hmm. second one was actually uh, when we played Atlanta, which was an A-League team that was expected to beat us quite handily mm-hmm. um, up in Richmond. And I remember, you know, the way that we played in that game. And after we won that game, we, we felt like we could win the whole thing. I, that's the game that kind of stood out to me. It, you know, there was a there was a former teammate of mine and of some of the guys on the team that was at UVA, Mike Hewweiler and uh, Jim Doyle was on that team that, that played for the U.S. national team. Um, so that game, that game I, I felt like kind of set the bar as far as our performances on what we needed to do in order to win it. All right. Also, so you feel like that game against Atlanta was the turning point? That what that's where the belief came in. Well, I I think everybody believed, but I, you know, with the the teams that we were playing against in the USISL, not that they weren't good teams, mm-hmm. but the A League was seen as the league in American soccer, at the mm-hmm. time. and um, so when we played them, I think that was that was. I don't know if we knew how good we were as a team. I thought we, I think we knew we were, we were good, but I think when you beat a team like that, and then you won and you win your league championship, I, I think you, you'd have something special. And you know, just like any championship team, there's there's times in the season for me that time was playing against Atlanta. I, I thought that we were good, but we didn't know how good we were until after that game. All right. All right, that's awesome. Um, another question I had for you um, was kind of to go on a little bit on your your soccer journey. So, throughout your career, you've played, of course, for the Richmond Kickers. You've played in D.C. and Miami and New York, in New England and Real Salt Lake. Um. What are some of the things that stuck out to you in each of those locations in terms of um, maybe memories or something with regards to the culture of the particular club you played at or whatnot? Yeah. Um, you know, in the early years of the league, I, I think most clubs were on, on the same kind of path. Um, you know, not many clubs had a place where they trained every day um you kind of had to make do with with what was available to you i know in miami we we trained in the outfields of some of the baseball fields that where the orioles held spring training new york they rented they were at a college Mm -hmm. new england um was was different because with the patriots um real salt lake was really kind of the beginning of the new boom in MLS, yes. quite honest with you. Um, but I, I think D.C. was one of the places, at least early on, that um, Bruce Arena and Kevin Payne went out and they rented the old Redskins Park. And mm-hmm. so we had kind of a professional setting from day one once once we got in there. So um, we had our own field there. There was a turf field. And... Um, that was something that I don't think a lot of MLS teams had at the time. Up until like 2005, places started, you know, building their own facilities 
for, for guys to train at so that you weren't using like a college locker room or anything like that. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, to me it was, there was a lot of things um, as far as like training and stuff that, you know, I think sometimes even in, you know, college teams uh, had a little bit more of a stable platform than we did in the early years of the league. Not that, you know, owners didn't try to do that. It's just there wasn't the money there to build facilities like there is now. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I, I can see how that is. It, it, so, you, it was only when you reached to either D.C. or Salt Lake that you kind of felt like home was home, kind of, yeah. in terms of yeah. well, practice D- and games. D.C., yeah, D.C. did it from, like, 96 through, like, the early 2000s. Um, but then Salt Lake, um, Salt Lake didn't have that either, but I, 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 you felt like with the way things were going as far as the way uh, clubs talked about what they wanted to do, mm-hmm. it was in the future that they were going to have these areas. They, you know, New England had their own field that they, they train on. Um, so that was kind of cool. I, you know, and, and the great thing about all those venues um, was the fans. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I got to meet so many great people like yourself. And, <laughs> um, no, it, and, you know, it was great. For me, it, playing professionally, you don't really want to move all that much. That my, you know, my wife, Suzanne, was a saint for moving to all the different places. <laughs> um, but, I mean, getting to meet all the different people and, I mean, it was, it was, it was a dream come true. Okay, that's awesome. Um, so, speaking of uh, Salt Lake, um, in your last season in the MLS, you won the MLS Humanitarian Award of uh, the MLS Humanitarian of the Year Award. Sorry. Um, what what does that what does that award mean to you? How how what does it do you do you really cherish it? Do you what does it feel like when what did it feel like when you won that award? How did you respond to that? Well, it was it was very rewarding, definitely. But um, you know, my my wife Suzanne deserves half the credit for it, if not more, for for everything that she put in on on game days. But we would we would try to raise money for different charities around the Salt Lake area mm-hmm. and. Um, it's just you know to to give back is um, with what we were you know in the different areas that we were throughout my career um, was one of the things that we wanted to do is we could give back and help any kind of organization out um, that needed it. Uh, yeah, it, it was a, it was a proud moment and um, definitely you know you, there's so many other players that do great things around it. It's sad that it, everybody doesn't get recognized as far as in MLS or, or out, you know, it's, it's one of those things where headlines um, sometimes go to the, the things that aren't so good and sometimes the, the things that are good, not everybody hears about. So I, I think it's grown from that point and a lot of players are in their communities um, being involved in, in trying to help out in whatever 
possible way they can. It's kind of cool. Yeah, no, that is awesome. That is awesome. Um, so what were Actually, some... Actually, you know, being involved in the community, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you oh, off. Oh, no, you're fine, you're fine. Otherwise, I wouldn't have cut you off. Um, <laughs> but, you know, a lot of that, as far as... Um, I, when I first started out playing, that wasn't really brought to my intention, attention until I played in Richmond with Rob. Mm-hmm. And um, Rob actually uh, would go out to schools, do appearances, talk about, you know, staying in school. And he goes, you know, hey, Cam, you know, you, did, you should come out to one of these with me. And we would go out to different schools. And it's not, I, I guess... Um, humanitarian stuff but we would go out number one um to talk about our journey and and how we got to be where we were and then you know hopefully promote the kickers a little bit but rob was really kind of the one who put me on on that path where i wanted to give back what in the different places that i that i played so um you know rob had a, a big influence on that as well wow wow that is great that's great so and well, that he's always talking about being happy and everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that that was your last your last season um, at at Salt Lake as a player. But uh, after you right. retired, um, you became the soccer analyst and director of soccer at um, RSL. Yeah, I was uh, the director of soccer for for two years there. Um, okay. What what made and you stay? What made you stay in Salt Lake to, for for that after you retired? Was there was there something about Salt Lake that made you stay, or was there was that opportunity presented to you before you retired, or it was presented to me before I retired? And, and Dave Checkets, who was the owner, mm-hmm. uh, and John Ellinger were influential in uh, having me be part of that. Mm-hmm. I'm very grateful to them. Um, and I just didn't know what I was going to do after I, you know, stopped playing. And so I kind of came to the conclusion where, you know, I'd been relatively injury-free for most of my career and mm-hmm. uh, that maybe it was time to, to move on and, and be part of the, on the soccer side of things. Um, okay. So it was, it, was, it was a good two years. Uh, after the two years, I wanted to be with – we were – Suzanne and I were trying to start a family up, and so, you know, we had our first son, uh, Brady, and then my other son, Casey, followed, and, um, you know, instead of being on the road, I think I'm on the road more in that job than I was as a player, so uh, I wanted to be at home a little bit more, and uh, kind of after that was done and I resigned from that position, uh, Trey Fitzgerald got me involved with the broadcasting side of things on television and radio mm-hmm. so uh, just kind of the way that the dominoes fell and we're very fortunate to, to have both of those things offered to me okay all right so how, how did you how was it, how did you get the position was it was it through your 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 contributions on the field for the club or was it I mean, or did they not tell you what exactly made them look to you for to take that position, or did you seek it out? Um, no, they they sought me out and thought that I would be good in the role of being uh, part of their staff, the director okay. of soccer there, and 
you know, got got going in it, and it was it was great being part of it. But um, just you know, was very fortunate to have it offered to me by uh, Dave Checkis, who was uh, the first owner of Real Salt Lake. Okay, awesome. All right, so um, fast forward to now, you're now. Uh, head coach of uh, Green Bay Voyagers. Well, how did you end up in Green Bay? Obviously, wasn't the weather. <laughs> what do you mean, man? I, I love the frozen tundra here <laughs> um, and the ten inches of snow. Um, no, uh, after a, a lot being out in Salt Lake City for a while, mm-hmm. uh, my wife and I wanted to move back closer to family. Uh, she. Uh, her family's right outside of Flint, Michigan, and mm-hmm. my family's from St. Louis. And uh, flying back here wasn't all, always the most cost-effective thing. So yeah. uh, she got a job here in Green Bay and uh, happened to be seven, a little over seven hours to her family, a little over seven hours to my family as far as the drive. Mm-hmm. And um, we ended up moving out here. And uh, I, I can tell you, you're going to drop dead with this but there's no traffic here it's it's awesome all right um, i know right <laughs> i know in richmond there's traffic uh from what i'm used to in boston this isn't traffic <laughs> that's true that's true you are used to the boston traffic oh that's a nightmare that is a nightmare yeah. yes i agree yeah <laughs> I actually, it actually was a, a relief for me when I, uh, when I came down. Um, so up there in Michigan, we here in Richmond have a, a, a brand new rival up there. Um, Forward Madison. Um, uh, yeah. So we, we, we have a little bit of a, a friendly rivalry with Forward Madison. Um, but uh, I, I wanted to ask you, how was it playing against them? Um, oh, against Ford? Yeah. So the, the weird thing is, is uh, so the, the Green Bay Voyagers are owned by uh, the same owners as Ford Madison, uh-huh. Big Top Entertainment. And so, you know, they came up here and played an exhibition match, um, which obviously the, the Voyagers are a USL League 2 team. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, being that they're an amateur team, so yeah. uh, a lot of them are college kids, you know, looking to play in the pro. So everybody was chomping at the bit to to get a shot at Ford Madison. Yeah. Um, so they 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 absolutely loved it. But um, the atmosphere, the couple games that I was able to go down to in Richmond, it, it, the atmosphere down there is incredible. Are you are you coming out here this year? Um, we 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 were thinking of of getting a road trip going because that last year they last season when when was that game that we had? I think it was in October. September. It was in yeah. September. It was September October. It was September. They came down here. They had about two bus loads of people down yeah. here. So it's it's it's. <laughs> And they kind of they kind of tried to take over City Stadium here, and it was it was it was kind of uncomfortable for us us Richmond Kickers fans. But 
Um, but we'll, we'll, we're trying to see if we can organize something because, I mean, the rivalry there is is very fun. It's it's more so of a, a fan base rivalry. So yeah, we're, we're de- we definitely would want to take a trip up there. Hopefully, hopefully our game away isn't in the cold months because I'd rather go up there in the summer. Um, the yeah, the schedule is out. I'm not I'm not quite sure. I don't have the schedule on hand. Yeah, our first game. Well, yeah, they're coming here for our first game. So, they're coming yeah. to Richmond. Um, so, our home opener is against Ford Masson. So, that's going to be fun. We're actually going to have to do a little piece on that. <laughs> yeah. That is going to be a good game. I know I know both clubs are, are gearing up um, for what is going to be. It, it, USL League 1 has exploded with the addition of uh, the Revolution Two and Miami and yeah. I tell you what, you know, in, you watch it. Some of the USL League One teams play against some of the championship teams, and you know, I, I, it's um, in the Open Cup, and a lot of USL League One teams got victories in that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, uh, and the league is growing fast. Of course, we started with just ten last year, but we already got two new teams, and I think. About three are coming in next year, I think. Yeah, They're still, I, we're still trying well. to figure out how many exactly are going to be coming in next year. But it's it's a growing league, and it, for me, as someone who you know, ever since I could walk, I've been kicking a ball. I, I mean, I love it. I love the fact that it's it's getting to the point where we don't have to look overseas for a variety of soccer. So right, I agree. Yeah. It's it's so, it's. So um, I found out when you guys are coming out here. Yes, it's the August twenty second. August twenty second. So it's gonna be nice and warm. It's gonna be nice and warm. Yeah. Well, you you gotta bring Rob. You gotta drag Rob along as well. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. We'll let him know that he's he's. We'll we'll, we'll kidnap him. <laughs> nice. I like it. I like the way you're thinking. <laughs> Um, I wanted to ask you, um, with your, your, your team in Green Bay, you're running the club, how exactly, how do you guys play and how, how have things been going this year? Um, well, I think USL League 2 is a a little bit of a different beast than uh, League 1 or Mm -hmm. even the championship just because of the amateur status and, you know, you're in different... Um, different teams, you have a lot of turnover year after year with mm-hmm. either guys graduating or guys, um, you know, going on to actually work regular jobs. Um, but we're hoping, you know, last year we were probably with, with the Voyagers, we were one or two games away, whether we get a goal for us or we don't give up a goal. We were probably two games away, probably six points away from making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, um, the hope is obviously making the playoffs this year again, and um, I think I have a, a good group of guys coming in. All right, all yeah. right, that's awesome. So, how exactly? How do you play? How, how, what what style do you do you see yourself taking after as a coach with this club? Oh, probably the roots of you know what I go after is probably from my time under Bruce 
arena and mm. Bob Bradley at, at DC. I, I still like a four four two, but mm-hmm. uh, you know the way a lot of teams play now, it's more four three threes or a four five one that goes into a four three three. I try to go after players um, to come and bid for us during the summer mm-hmm. that can play in a, a variety of different formations. I, I think if you can play, you can adapt to really any formation. So um, it really all depends on who we have finally coming here. Um, you know, it, it's weird. Soccer, soccer has so many different phases and the way that different coaches want to play. You know, back in my time, it was a 4-4-2 or a 3-5-2. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's, it's gone more to the 4-3-3 or 4-5-1 as far as defensively. Yeah, um, I'm sure there's going to be some coach in the future that kind of comes up with some kind of formation that uh, is different that is going to kind of take off. I, I think a lot of people are going after what Johan Cruyff did at Barcelona with the 4-3-3, though. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. That's the wingers that, that can get up and down. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's... So what, 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 what formation do you like? What, what did you like playing? Um, my, I really liked playing in a 4-3-3 because I, I used... Back in when I was younger, I played as an 8 and when I got to college, I didn't play for my college, but when I got to college and I was playing club or intramural within the college, I kind of gravitated out towards playing fullback. Um, but I, 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 I would say my favorite formation is the four three three. Uh, sometimes when I'm coaching, depending on the kids that I have, the fitness level. Sometimes I like to play a three five two um, to have wing backs that can go up and down. Um, if yep. I have if I have the right personnel for it, basically, because <laughs> those those wing backs when they have to go up and back, it's usually it's usually um, usually a lot harder on them, and they they're the players that have to be rotated the most. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If, if they're not the player that you have to rotate, you might actually think there's something wrong with them because they're not running, right? Exactly. <laughs> 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 wait, wait, you're, you're not tired? Yeah, well, you didn't get any service into the box either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, um, uh, Brian, I really wanted to thank you for uh, coming on with us, to uh, th- giving us some of your time to, to have this interview. Um, well, thank you for having me. I, I need to make it back for a kicker's game. Uh, maybe I can uh, join in and and ride the bus out there with with the uh, Ford fans, and then I'll just be a neutral fan throughout the game. <laughs> that that would be great. That'd be great. We'll, we'll we'll let you know. We'll let you know if we come out there for that game. Yeah, please do. Please do. I'd love to catch up with you guys. Yes, definitely. Um, we can we can uh, take you to the Dairyland, the Heartland of America. By the way. If you like ice cream, Madison has some of the best ice cream. Oh, ice cream! You? Well, I'm I'm a big ice cream person. Yeah. I'm a big ice cream person, so I'm definitely going to be trying that out. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right, well, um, Brian, it's been a pleasure, and um, it was great talking to you again after so many years of you know, and uh, it was really a big surprise for me. Uh, being able to do this interview with you. 
likewise, likewise. Hey, just make sure you guys stay out of trouble, and, and make sure Rob stays out of trouble too. All right, we'll, we'll we'll make sure we'll keep an eye on him. We'll babysit. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, you have a good one. This episode is brought to you by Roughneck Scarves, the beautiful game network, and for the culture united.